Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Well, 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 I'm so excited about this episode with Dr. Russell Jaff. You know, it's interesting when in my younger days, when I was working security and other things, I got to hang out with many people like Living Color and got to meet Kenny Arnoff, got to meet John Cougar and all these other people. And today, now that I'm older, and doing this in, in the health and wellness realm, I have new people that I really look up to and admire. And Dr. Jaff is one of those. And the reason is, is because I fully believe that disease in our body not only begins in our gut, but also we have to keep our body alkaline and not acidic. And Dr. Russell Jaff has written about this many, many times. And he actually wrote a book called The Alkaline Way. You're going to be able to download that book by going to the show notes. So he's offered up the book for all the listeners to download. And all you have to do is go to the show notes and do that. Dr. Russell Jaff has more than 40 years experience contributing to molecular biology and clinical diagnostics. He received his BS, MD, and PhD from the Boston University School of Medicine, completed residency training in clinical chemistry at the National Institute of Health, and remained on the permanent senior staff before pursuing other interests, including starting the Health Studies Collegium Think Tank. Dr. Jaff is board certified in clinical pathology and in chemical pathology. He is a recipient of the Merrick Sharp Dome Excellence in Research Award, the J.D. Lane Award, and the U.S. PHS Meritorious Service Award. Dr. Jaff was honored as an international scientist of 2003 by the IBC Oxford, England, UK for his lifetime contributions to clinical medicine, biochemistry, immunology, methodology, and integrative health policy. He's widely published and sought to explain complex subjects to his any audience. On this episode of the Rebel Health Coach podcast, I have Dr. Russell Jaffe with me. I preach keeping your body alkaline all the time. So I figured I'd come right to the source, Doc. And you are the source. You are the man in this. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast. No, I stand on very good shoulders, but thank you for the comment. My mom appreciates that. Your mom appreciates that? Good. Mm. You know, I'm excited about this interview today because the struggle to keep our bodies alkaline is real in an acidic world that we live in. It absolutely is. And it's not only acidic, which means mineral deficient, but it means oxidatively burdened, which means protectively depleted. The antioxidants are the things that we have to take in. We can't make them. It's complicated. I'm a biochemist. If you want to spend a few weeks, I'll have, <laughs> I'll, 
I'll be happy to enthrall you in all the intermediary metabolism. But the bottom line is really very simple. If you're in elective protective mode, you are electively protected and alkaline. Okay. But, 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 but hundreds of millions of Americans are in survival mode. Acidic, mineral depleted, antioxidant deficient. They just don't know why their get up and go got up and went, and they don't know how to find it. And I used to weigh a whole lot more than I do now, and I'm not sure that you can tell, but I'm pretty close to my lean weight. I have restored my insulin sensitivity. I now take in a diet that I can digest, that I can assimilate, which means, you know, make good use of, and then eliminate quickly, quickly, because you want to have a healthy transit time of 12 to 18 hours. And for a couple of bucks, you can find out whether your transit time is healthy or not. Okay, good. Let's we'll dig into that. You know, the majority of the food we eat nowadays is more acidic. And acidic forming means that the body will be higher and have a higher level of acidity in our bodies. Well, yes and no. Uh, okay. Let me make, it's a small, but I think it's a significant minor point. If you're eating organic or biodynamic whole foods, that's one thing. But heaven forfend, heaven forfend that you should be actually taking in processed or packaged goods or crisp foods or what they call fast foods, which my mentor, Bob Mendelson, used to say, fast foods means fast to the mortuary. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. He was a wonderful guy, a pediatrician. He published Confessions of a Medical Heretic. He published How to Have a Healthy Child Despite Your Pediatrician. He was a dear friend who died too young. Oh, that's too bad. Sorry to hear that. Well, before we dig in this topic, you have quite a resume of accomplishments. How did you get into this niche of the alkaline way and our alkaline? Oh, I came to debunk it. I'm really glad you asked me that question. Uh, Yes, Uh, in terms of, um, quote, credentials, I'm not, (laughs) I can tell you what I'm not. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an accountant. But other than that, I'm almost everything else, including (laughs) a cantor, which means I know how to chant the Jewish prayers. I came as a skeptic. Okay. So in essence, in the early 1970s, I arrived fresh at the National Institutes of Health Clinical Center. And I hear that there is this guy who needles people. He does acupuncture. He puts needles into people, and he gets results that we can't get. Hmm. His name was Queen Nguyen Wu. Okay. So I go to debunk him, and I ended up spending seven years as as his apprentice. And then I taught the first course called Oriental Medical Strategies and Western Medical Practice that was accepted by New York State and California for licensure of medical physicians to do acupuncture in America, which has become, as you know, a profession. Okay. So that was one of the things I went to debunk, and I ended up contributing to, and I've done that several times. I went to debunk Ramamurti Mishra, the guy who published the textbook of yoga psychology and a commentary on Patanjali's sutras. And he was an 
MD, PhD, and cross-trained in Benares. And it's a whole, it's, I don't know if we have time for the story, but there's a whole set of stories. But he blew me away multiple times and prepared me for a Cambodian Buddhist monk named Bhante Dharmawara. And by the late 1970s, early 80s, I had a certain small reputation for being interested in mindfulness and how the mind and body are connected, etc., and how to evoke human healing responses. When I met Bhante because of his color healing system, so he had decoded a color healing system, which I do advocate for. Um, so I met him and became his student. And one of the first things he said to me was, are you ready to get started? And my little ego, it was both little and it was mine, and it was my ego. It reared up inside me and it wanted him to know what a big deal I was. And my mother you know, would have told him what a big deal I am and this and that and the other thing. And then I calmed down, and he was his usual unflackable self. And then he said the same simple question a second time. Are you ready to get started? And the same, quote, egoic response, emotional response, afflictive response, uh, wells up, but not as strong. And by the third time he said the same question, I realized he's right. Uh, if I'm serious about this, I got to get started under him. And we had 30 years together. Wow. Till he, he was 110. That's incredible. It so, was great good fortune. It was an act of grace. It, it was nothing that I deserved. That's, you've been in some amazing spots in your life. I can tell you that. I, mean, look, I was reading your bio. I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Well, as as Miss May West used to say, she was a vaudeville performer. You may be too young. Yep, I remember her. But yes, she used to say, you can call me Miss, but I ain't missed much. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into the deep end of the pool here and get geeky a little bit. Sure. What is this acidic alkaline thing for the listeners? Okay. So Albert since Georgie, the guy who isolated vitamin C, won the Nobel Prize, little things like that. He said that human biology, biology is acidic by function, but alkaline by necessity. And what that meant is, if you leave your cells alone, they will become progressively acidic and you will die. And you will suffer on the way to die. Okay. But if you take in the right balance of essential minerals that are buffers to the acids that are produced. And I'll tell you where they come from, those acids, in a minute. But if you take in the right minerals, mostly magnesium and some potassium, and you get those minerals into the cells, because you can get them in, but if they run out as fast as they come in, that's, uh, let me say, net unbalanced, not enough. And you can check after rest your urine pH, which we recommend that people do. And I think it was about 4,000 plus people who volunteered information and we did the distribution of how much people needed and this and that and the other thing. Um, but yes, you want to check how acid your urine is after rest. So after like a six hour period or when you wake up in the no, morning? No, no, yes, yes. You must have at least six hours of rest. You can go to the bathroom, but not to the kitchen or the gym. Okay. 
if you have at least six hours of being lying down, as in horizontal, not vertical, the fluid in your bladder equilibrates with the lining cells, and that's the one time of day. It's a really interesting moment, but it's the one time of day when you can check the cellular, it's a non-invasive measure of cellular metabolic acidosis slash magnesium buffering need. And if you're below 6.5 after rest, you need more magnesium and probably you need to enhance the uptake with choline citrate. Okay. And and that's one of the contributions we've made is to enhance the uptake and engage the delivery of the magnesium that, by the way, availability of magnesium in the industrial diet, American diet, has dropped by half in the last 50 years and need has doubled. Yeah, I think statistics show what 88% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. But after doing what I do now for the last couple of years, I'd have to say it's probably closer to 95%. (laughs) Right. As my grandmother used to say, the rents are going up and the ceilings are coming down. It's because of the mineral depletion in our soil, right? Well, yes. Yes. If If the minerals are not in the soil, they can't possibly get into the food. So you're eating food that's basically mineral deficient. Well, it's 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 a it, this is my metaphor, and I hope you agree with this. You're eating things that look like food. Right. They look like food. They're not food. How do I know the difference between looks like food and really is food? Well, looks like food is big and appetizing and shimmering and mostly processed, preserved, it goes 2,000 miles. The average strawberry, the average tomato, the average thing that looks like a food in your market has traveled far too long for far too little. This is an aside, but it's really true. My front yard is now a seven-year-old permaculture biodynamic food forest with 250 edible plants. And so in the morning, I go out and I interrogate the pickles and the cucumbers and occasionally the tomatoes and the blueberries. And I I come back with something that it isn't a lot. It's not a huge place, but it's more than enough. And I'll tell you, as good as the organic or biodynamic produce is at the farmer's market or at the Whole Foods market or wherever, it's better when you just walk out because you grew it. Exactly. Okay. So let's get back to basics. If it's real food, it's called food. And if it looks like food, uh, I don't care how you, quote, gussy it up. It's not food if it's gone 2,000 miles. It's not food if it was, quote, ripened on the way. It's not food if it's contaminated with pesticides, which strawberries and tomatoes, among others, are to a distressing amount. And you can look at the dirty dozen and you can look at the clean 15. I think that those are the numbers from the Environmental Working Group, EWG. There are some people who do a really good job of saying, you know, the things that you think that you're eating that are food on that pizza? Well, maybe not. (laughs) You're right. I mean, it's it's crazy. We live in that kind of a world that, you know, and even to your point, I mean, even some of the stuff at the farmer's market has come a long way. Oh, no, 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 all of that. When you're at a farmer's market, if you're paying a premium for quality, I'm your friend. But if someone's at a farmer's market because they bought 
a, a bushel of something, and now they're selling it one at a time just to make a quick buck. I'm not their friend. And I think you have to get to know the people behind the counter, if you will, okay. at the farmer's market. So I, I go to farmer's markets. I do. I belong to a community-supported agriculture CSA. Uh, you know, uh, it's an annual subscription so that the farmers know, you know what, to de- what to deliver that's available. Now, ours happens to be biodynamic. Okay. And organic, good. Biodynamic, super organic. So if you can go biodynamic, do. If not, grow it yourself. You'll have a good time. And by the way, the two things, and I'm sure you know this, but I'm just going to say this because it's really been validated and validated. The two things that will keep you laughing and happy and living long and well are gardening and dancing. Oh, wow. That's Yeah, I love Yeah, gardening's fun. And you plus you get dirty. The dirt's good yes. for us. Yes, you're meant to be dirty. My right. children who are young adults at this point, but I don't think my children wore clothes for the first three to four years. They really didn't need <laughs> them. They just loved being outside, rolling around in what was very healthy dirt, but dirt and eating it. And, and I would say, well, maybe you shouldn't eat so much dirt. And they would look at me like, oh, but Dad, it tastes so good. And I would think, really? Because I didn't like the taste of it. They did. And it helped their microbiome and their microflora. And to this day, they really have healthy digestion as far as I can tell. I think, wasn't there a book called Eat Dirt? I think. No, no. Eat Dirt is, if I remember correctly, that's Maya Shatrit Klein, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Now, Maya Shatrit Klein and anything she posts or says is provocative, but worth thinking about. Okay. So the dirt cure and so forth, it's a very old idea, but she's brought it back and and she certainly has the credentials and and, and, and I consider her a a really high quality colleague. Now, let's get into the negative effects of being too acidic or in a chronic state of acidosis. Aha. Now you're talking about being an American. Right. So if you're an American, you're at risk of diabetes, and other self-attacking autoimmune diseases. You're at risk of repair deficit, what are called inflammatory conditions. You're at risk of chronic illness. You're at risk of dying early at high cost. I don't think any of those are a good idea. Do you? No, not at all. Okay. So why go there? Right. Stay stay alkaline. and, And we know how to measure. We know how to assess. And it's I'm not trying to oversimplify, but it is relatively straightforward. It's about what you eat and drink. It's about what you think and do. Okay. So you've got to stay well hydrated and you've got to eat foods that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. And then you can worry yourself sick. You can deny reality, and then it will pounce upon you. Don't do either of those. Oh, so, you know, it turns out in most of biology and most of life, two things, if you remember two things, only two things. Number one, it's ratios, never absolute. So it's not one thing, it's something compared to something else. And the other is, and, and this was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said, The fundamental question for human beings is whether the universe is a friendly place or not. I agree with that. 
My, the universe I live in is a very friendly place. I didn't say it wasn't capricious. I didn't say it didn't trip me up often. I didn't say anything about perfection. What I said was the universe I live in is a friendly place. And I think that's a very critical point because a lot of people fret. A lot of people, when their health is challenged, instead of going to evoke healing responses, they go very conventional very quickly. And I'm talking about holistic and integrative and comprehensive care practitioners. Now, you would think, and I can tell you from my personal experience, including my near-death experience, that when I have been challenged, I, I trusted my method. I trusted what I have been doing. However, many of my friends and colleagues uh, who are holistic, etc., in their practice, when they themselves are less than well, they go conventional very quickly. Mm. And I can understand, and it's not for me to judge by any means, but I don't get it. Right. So self-care is important just as well as real food. Self-care starts with what's your urine pH after rest? What's your transit time? When I eat beets or roast beets at dinner, I expect to see red in the commode in the morning. Okay, let's talk about you. But I will tell you, after all these years, after all these years, the first time I see the red in the commode in the morning, my thought is not, oh, I had beets last night. My thought is, oh, hemorrhoids. Okay. (laughs) So we don't really recommend using beets or corn. We do recommend using Rayqua. There's one company that makes a really high-quality pharmaceutical charcoal, and it's called Rayqua. And we have a little online free, you can download it, self-assessment for transit time. We have a self-assessment for hydration. It turns out if you're a little bit dehydrated, a little bit low on water, every part of your body is stressed. And I mean even one, two, three percent dehydrated, a little bit dehydrated, turns out to have a profound but adverse, afflictive, to use the Buddhist term, response on your body or effect on your body. What's the name of this? Is this a supplement company? Is this the supplement company you're involved with? For well, the in, regard, in regard to the novel supplements that are 100% bioavailable and mostly patented, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what puts shoes on my kids. It's right, right. Perk. It's called Perk, P-E-R-Q-E.com, Perk. Right. Perk.com. And it's a professional brand. You can't just buy it you know, willy-nilly. Um, because it's so potent that you should know under the guidance of a health coach or a health professional whether it's compatible with what you want to achieve and everything else you're taking, including and especially including prescription. Okay. And now, where's, where can they f- people find this transit time chart? Right, right, right. People, just people. I'm not now, I'm no longer talking to MDs and PhDs and right. DOs and whatever and NDs. You can go to Better Lab Tests Now.com forward slash T H O M. So betterlabtestnow.com forward slash Tom, but T-H-O-M, Tom. And then folks, we will identify folks who are interested in the free information about how to save your own life in the 21st century. Okay, cool. Very cool. Let's talk about 
how does someone know that they are too acidic? So, well, what you do, if you want to know if you're too acidic, you rest for six or more hours. And now the next urine that comes out, right? it doesn't matter how many times you peed at night, you can go to the bathroom. You just can't go to the gym or the kitchen. But the next urine after six hours has equilibrated. And therefore, you're measuring the cellular, not just the fluid pH. And if it's below 6.5, okay, 7 is neutral. 7 is neutral. You want to be between 6.5 and 7.5. That's the healthy zone, the healthy range. Okay. But less than 6.5 says too acid, magnesium deficient until proven otherwise. Okay. So how do we, what is the body at normal? What is the alkalinity of the normal body? 7.4? Well, wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about urine? Are we talking about plasma? Are we talking well, about that's a good cells? question. Are we talking about brain? No, I mean, we're I'm talking a about... Pathologist. <laughs> I'm a I can tell you the pH of dozens and dozens of parts of the body. Right. No, I don't mean to... I, yeah, I know. Like, I get it. So pH. So what, you can go to Amazon.com and buy pH strips, right? Well, yes, you can. However... Let me suggest that you want the high sensitivity, high sensitivity, pH 5.5 to 8. Because if it is green, you're fine. If it is blue, you have catabolic illness, you're tearing yourself down. But if it's sandy colored, you're too acidic. Okay. So it is a color code for a high sensitivity. Now, pH, just for those people who are technical, goes over a, a, a 12 orders of magnitude, and only a small central part of that has to do with life or biology or what we're talking about. Okay. So if your pH after rest is less than 6.5, you need magnesium, and probably you have a block to, it, to magnesium uptake either from diet or supplements, because it turns out there's an ion channel. And the ion channel that takes up not just magnesium, but magnesium and calcium, that ion channel is easily inhibited. If you get exposed to toxic metals or hormone disruptors or solvent residues or certain mold products and certain isotopes, etc. So bottom line, bottom line, check your urine pH after rest and gate or change the amount of magnesium and choline citrate, because choline citrate is the secret sauce that enhances the uptake of magnesium and chaperones the delivery and keeps it in the body. Okay. And not choline by tartrate. There's a lot of choline by tartrate that doesn't work. A workalike in this situation doesn't work. So choline citrate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. We worked very hard to get the global intellectual property on enhanced uptake and chaperone delivery of magnesium. And are these available through perk.com? Oh, absolutely. It's okay. called Perk. It's called Perk Mag Plus Guard and 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 Perk Choline Citrate. It's a combo. So you take two capsules of Perk Mag Plus Guard and a teaspoon of choline citrate. And okay. I'm glad to tell you that an independent group called Consumer Lab or consumerlab.org. Right. Familiar with them. Uh, you know, they're a great group. Uh, they looked objectively, and I like the way they do it, but they look objectively at all the colines in the country, and we won on all accounts. Best value, best purity, best efficacy, 
best evidence, best value. That's that's good. Good congratulations. Thank you. That's why I'm telling you. <laughs> my mother was whispering in my ear to tell you this. <laughs> Your mother was. Oh, that's she, good. Was, she was a musician. My dad was a basketball player, but my mom was a musician. So she actually had me on stage when I was a youngster. Wow. What kind of what did she play? Anything with a single reed. My mother mostly played alto, okay. saxophone. Okay. But anything with a single reed. And the the point where she and her bandmates, it was five gals, it was a novelty act of women, they actually opened for Louis Armstrong. Oh, that's fabulous. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then my mother said that she traded her Selmer saxophone for me and may have not gotten the better end of the trade. (laughs) She was was a classic Jewish mother. She wanted the best. She absolutely wanted the best. But she wasn't easy. And now for a little general housekeeping. If you are enjoying this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you would go to whatever app you are listening to this on and rate and review the show and share it with your friends. Thank you very much. Now, if you've been listening to my episodes for the last couple of years, you'll know that I key on gut health quite frequently in my episodes because honestly, the gut health is king and pretty much all disease begins in the gut, as Hippocrates said back in 420 B.C., So that's a reason I key on gut health quite frequently because if you're trying to do something simple is just lose weight, your gut health is key. So I have been developing a gut health cheat sheet over the last few months for you to download. And you can obtain this gut health cheat sheet by texting the word gut health, two words, gut health to 773 770-4377. Again, gut health to 773-770-4377. Thank you, and I hope you continue to enjoy this episode and make it a great day. So let me ask you a question. Sodium bicarbonate, or baking soda for those of those of you out there listening, if you mix that with water, like a quarter teaspoon, and would that make your body more alkaline? I'm so glad you asked the question because this is in the category of I'm going to try to fool physiology. I'm going to try to fool the body. And the answer is the only thing you will do by taking bicarbonate or trisalt or anything with bicarbonate, sodium, potassium, anybody's carbonate, The only thing you're going to do is impair digestion. Okay. Because your stomach should have a pH that is so low that you'd be amazed that it is that low. The pH of your stomach, a healthy stomach, and I hope your stomach is healthy, is is 1 or 1.5. It's really, really, really very acidic. And then there's this very specialized enzyme called pepsin that is not broken apart at that very low pH, and it begins a certain digestive process for proteins in your stomach. And here's a spoiler alert. Do you know that most people who have ulcers actually have high stomach, not low stomach? They lack stomach acid. Right. The people who are healthy have plenty of stomach acid. 
And there are people, and I know some people who advocate this, who say take a teaspoon or so of organic apple cider vinegar. Right. Bragg's, <laughs> that's a brand. It's also a person and her father. Right. It's a, it's a high-quality organic apple cider vinegar. Take a teaspoon to a tablespoon of that before every meal, and your digestion will be healthy. That's what they say, and I don't disagree with that. So the, the apple cider vinegar is it is it works good? It does, especially for people who have marginal. Okay. If you have, you know, if your if your digestion has collapsed, you know, that's not the answer. It's not sufficient. Um, but many people have what I will call marginal digestion, okay. and anything that helps it helps it. Okay. And I can tell you what is the opposite of helping it. Proton pump inhibitors are the opposite of helping oh, yeah. it. H2 blockers, antihistaminics, these are the opposite of what helps. When I was a young physician scientist was when these medications were coming in. And they came in on a wing and a prayer on the basis that somebody who had a long white coat and, and was charismatic you know, presented the evidence. But it was in hindsight. And this was clearly in hindsight, not in foresight. But in hindsight, this was manipulated. Inhibiting digestion was never a good idea. It never actually had a physiologic basis. I remember in the 1960s that Franz Engelfinger, who went on to be the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, Don Donaldson, who was our chief of gastroenterology, and other similar people were saying there's already an iatrogenic, that is medically induced, epidemic of digestive disorders that are silent and they underlie chronic inflammatory repair deficit and self-attacking autoimmune illness. Wow. And that was 50 years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> you do look pretty good, by the way. I function pretty good, thank yeah. you very much. But by the way, I get restorative sleep and I go out and I have this wonderful garden and I enjoy dancing and things like that. There's another key, restorative sleep. Oh, big, big piece. I, 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 as a young scientist, as someone who was making my way at NIH and in the academic world and so forth, like many young people who thought they were young and immortal, I really did not sleep. I really thought that sleep was um, discretionary, shall I say, discretionary. Okay. And just to make this more personal and intimate, when Rebecca and I got together, Rebecca needs... 10 to 11 hours of sleep, and then she's an absolutely wonderful human being. And if I get more than four or five hours of sleep, I'm groggy. Pillow talk. If you want to have a relationship, you know, between two people, pillow right. talk is kind of important. Kind of important. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Let me drop the kind of. It's important. Right. Choreographing that was not easy. And then when we had children, we had a family bed. It was a big futon, you know, but it was a family bed. And the kids nursed until they were ready to weep. That's interesting. You lived a good life, my friend. I appreciate what you just said. I do appreciate that. And yes, I have made the choices of choosing life rather than choosing convention. 
I could have been more famous. I could have been richer. I had actually some dear friends who recently said, you know, you worked very hard to not be more famous. I said, no, but I wouldn't have had such a good time if I was more famous because then you have to, you know, you have to cultivate your fame. Right. But you also a little bit bucked the, the pretty much bucked the, the physical or the physician system based on this stuff like this alkaline diet. You know? no, 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 let me say it in a slightly different way. I went to debunk this stuff. Okay. I didn't think it was true. I didn't learn it in Boston. I didn't learn it in Bethesda. I really thought it couldn't possibly be true. So I went to debunk it. And you did. I, I tried. But w- what I ended up finding was my lack of awareness, my lack of wisdom, my lack of knowledge. And then I apprenticed myself to people who knew more than I did. Well, that's how you learn, too. Yes. And I don't care what your age is. If your mind is open like a parachute, you can still learn. Well, a lot of physicians won't, when you go to the primary care physician, they won't talk about the alkaline stuff. They never talk about it. Well, this is a very important point. Instead of the doctor saying, I don't know. The three hardest words for a medical professional to say is, I don't know. So when people come and they want to know about stress or about relationship or about toxicity or about acidosis and alkaline or about what to eat or about who to eat with, the doctor looks back and says, oh, those are really good. No, they don't even say that. They just look down at their shoes and they write a prescription because they don't know. Honestly, because I didn't. Look, I had 8,000 hours plus 4,000 hours. Not many people get 12,000 hours of training. But honestly, coming out of all of that, I knew from nothing about what we're talking about, about lifestyle and relationship, about environment and attitude, about mindfulness practices, about evoking healing responses. I knew how to treat disease. I was actually pretty good at treating disease. But I realized that treating disease is actually rather limited if what you want is a civil society that can afford to be healthy. Wow, that's good. That's brilliant right there. How do we know which foods are alkaline and which are acidic? I mean, we'll, we, kind of, we kind of went down that road a little bit because if it's processed, it's going to be acidic. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. If it's whole, you have a chance. If it's been mucked with, you know, just pass. But how do you know the foods that are acid or alkaline? Now, when we started, when my group started, we had what was called acid ash residue, which had been around for decades, and it turns out it's misleading, but it's what's in most textbooks even to this day. So what we did, and I'm glad to tell you we did this, and I'll tell you exactly what we did and how we did and how we evaluated. We wanted to know the metabolic effects of foods on body chemistry. We didn't want to know something that had to do with a furnace and burning up the food that ignored the complexity of the food, which was what the acid-ash residue stuff does. So we developed an algorithm. Now, what's an algorithm? It's a formula. What's a formula? A plus B plus C plus D minus E plus F or C. Okay, no, right. I'm not. Look, 
I am a biochemist. If you want to get numerate, if you want to get into equations, <laughs> ah, you're on my territory. But no, no. What's the point? The point is that if you take the fat composition, the carbohydrate composition, simple and complex, the protein composition, the mineral composition and cofactor composition, you can calculate, you can compute, you can mathematically determine the food effects on body chemistry. Now, how do you validate that? It turns out that many years ago, and by the way, we can't do those experiments again, but there was a time when the United States Department of Agriculture did what we call mono-diet experiments. So people ate carrots, and that was the only thing they ate for 10 days or two weeks. And then they ate cucumbers, and that was the only thing they ate for 10 or 12 days. And by the end of that time, you could determine the food effects on body chemistry. And of course, being these were conscientious objectors that didn't want to go to Vietnam. I'm pretty sure that that's when this was done. At the end of that, there were like 33 or 34 foods that USDA knew to the farthing what the effects were on body chemistry. And it turns out that our equation matched what they observed. Hmm. So we build what we have as an algorithm, as a proprietary equation. We have been offering this called food effects on body chemistry since at least 1990. I mean, long enough to know better. It's in the Natick Nutrition Guide, which is, let me check, the Department of Defense Guide on Nutrition. Um, it is the gold standard for food effects on body chemistry because it is. <laughs> That's, sorry, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, complimenting myself and my apologies. <laughs> so... What let's talk. I want to talk a couple, a couple things before we close out. Gut health, we touched on, but why is our gut health and why, why is it so important to the alkaline way? Yes, when your gut is working properly, you will stay alkaline. When you stay alkaline, you become resilient, tolerant, and nice to be with. And when not, you become acidic and you're basically sliding down the slippery slope into chronic ill health, and irritability. So, headline, you need prebiotics, probiotics, and symbiotics. You need fiber. That's the prebiotics. Okay. Dennis Burkett taught me 40 to 100 grams of prebiotic fiber prevents digestive disorders. It turns out in traditional African societies where people chew a lot of their food, there's almost no irritable bowel syndrome, there's almost no ulcerative colitis, regional enteritis, because they get 40 to 100 grams a day of unprocessed fiber. Now, I don't care how you get it, from your diet or from supplements, but 40 to 100 grams of prebiotic fiber. Uh -huh. Then, 40 to 100 billion probiotic organisms. So you have organisms called acidophilus, which are essential, but you have to take them in every day. And you take them in from fermented foods or from supplements that actually have live bugs. Because in my experience, live bugs work better than dead bugs. But do you know that most probiotic supplements are dead? As in not alive. Right. Okay. So have one that says, we know when you take it, not when we made it, how many colony forming units CFU there are. 
And there should be billions and billions. And then there's the symbionics. That's the third part of the digestive microbiome rehabilitation. Symbiotic is recycled glutamine. Glutamine is necessary for the digestive tract. It's necessary for the endothelial lining cells in the gut. But when you recycle it with PAC, you never build up glutamate. So now you use 10% of the glutamine, but you recycle it 10 times. And now everybody goes home happy. It's called Goldilocks. Okay. So prebiotics, probiotics, and symbiotics, so that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate what you take in. And then what would you take in? Well, the foods that you're tolerant to, the foods that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. And that gets you to the predictive biomarker tests, of which there are eight, only eight. And we reviewed over 100,000 tests, but eight tests cover all of epigenetics. And epigenetics is lifestyle. Epigenetics is your habits of daily living. Epigenetics is the stuff that you can influence by changing what you eat and drink, what you think and do. Hmm. So while we're on testing, you brought testing. I want to bring up, I want to ask you about the LRA test. Sure. And why these, for the listeners mainly, but why these tests are important because you're the, you, you started also, right? Yes. Eliza Act Biotechnologies, you can hold me accountable for that. We have over 80,000 cases in our database. Over 25 million cell cultures were the gold standard of delayed, delayed allergy testing. Most allergy the way most consumers think about it, the way even most doctors think about it, are the immediate allergies, the things that histamine amplifies. It causes hives, wheezes, itching, anaphylactic shock, etc. And that's not at all, not at all, what lymphocyte response assay, LRA tests measure. So LRA tests measure everything else. Everything else includes B cells. These are the cells that produce antibodies then immune complexes, and then T-cells, which without antibodies are immune reactive. And we tamed all of that into the LRA by ELISA Act testing in the early 1980s. And we've been doing it ever since and have published and published the best outcome clinical community-based trials, and most importantly, the best precision as a laboratory technology. So we do cell cultures more precisely than most labs can even measure a blood sugar. Why, I mean, from a listener's standpoint, why are these tests important for people like myself and other, other health coaches or functional medicine practitioners or naturopathic doctors? Why are, those, why are these important for our toolbox? The reason they're important for your toolbox is what if the foods you're eating are eating you back? So I want you to eat the foods you can digest and assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. And how do you find out about that immune burden? Well, I'll tell you, in the 19th century, it was pretty easy. You just ate what grandma made. Doesn't happen today. No, today, the 21st century, we are marinating in a sea of all sorts of anti-nutrients. Get used to it. It's the 21st century. It's our inheritance. We have been geometrically increasing the toxins in the environment since the 1950s. And since the 1960s, 
things have come home to roost in regard to chronic degenerative autoimmune self-attacking repair deficiency conditions. And it's now $8 trillion a year and a million people a year who are sacrificed at high cost and suffering unnecessarily. People who could live well and long who just didn't know what to do. You're, you're hit the nail on the head right there, buddy. I actually sometimes feel that I'm hitting my own forehead on the nail, <laughs> but that's another story. I'm a grieving optimist like Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> All right. We are going to put a link in the show notes for, it's going to be www.betterlabtestnow.com slash com. H-O-M. Correct. Thank you. So that will be also give them a copy of Joy and Living in the Alkaline Way. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so absolutely. Now, before I go, we touched a little bit on your mom being a musician. Sure. This is a, this is a question I ask my guest. If Dr. Russell Jaffe had 30 minutes to kill or, or just relax, what album or artist would you put on the, uh, the radio or record player to listen to? Oh, that's a very interesting question, especially for a guy like me. And the answer is Stan Brubeck. Ooh, good call. Aha. Uh -huh. My mother actually jammed with him. These oh, were nice. People, these were people that she told stories about. And when I was growing up as a child, it's like, how big was the fish when you caught the fish? Usually the story gets better over time. Right. And so at 13, a Jewish boy gets a bar mitzvah if they want one. And when you know, you hire a band to entertain at the, at the lunch or something after the uh, ceremony. Um, when the band took a break, my mother and her friends came forward and picked up the instruments and played. And I had not heard my mother play ever, ever. And she just, shall I say, wailed. She was fabulous. She had perfect pitch. She proved that to me other times. And whatever little degree of poise, whatever little degree that I have of what we call chutzpah. Now, chutzpah is being willing to get up in front of people, even if they may not like your message yet, but you're going to win them over before the day is done. <laughs> that's called chutzpah. So that's my mom. And this was the 1940s when uh -huh. young women, Jewish, Catholic, didn't matter, but they lived on the block in the Bronx and they didn't leave the block. They got born on the block. They got married on these were huge right, right. blocks. Okay, the fact that my mother and her friends Estelle and the Brunettes escaped and were managed by the William Morris Agency and made seventy-eight RPM records and so forth. To me, that was an utter triumph at a time when women were just expected to go in the kitchen and have children. Hmm. Now, can you find her recording somewhere still? Uh, if I, 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 actually, I actually recently looked up because I made a recording with someone who's going to do a summit on a subject that I'm interested in. And as the intro to it, I harmonized on a song. And the fellow said, gee, it would be neat if you could send a photo of your mom from way back when, the 40s. Now, this is not exactly high-definition video. Right. But yes, Estelle Slavin, who was the lead for Estelle and the Brunettes, went forward and stayed in music when my mom stayed home and had 
me. And yes, I found this article in the New York Times that praised not just Estelle and the Brunettes, but specifically Marlene Gray, G-R-A-E. Now, my mother's stage name was Marlene Gray. Her real name was Marlene Grabsky. And why was, why was her stage name Marlene Gray? Because at that time, she didn't want to be that Jewish. <laughs> I kid you not. I asked mom. I said, mom, why, why, why didn't you spell your Grabsky name? She said, well, the, the, the agent, whoever it was from William Morris Agency, said, too Jewish. And I said, who was the person who said that? She said, a Jewish manager. And I said, oh, <laughs> save us from our friends. So did you grow up in New York? Upstate New York. Upstate, Upstate. okay. Yeah. So my mom grew up in the Bronx. My dad grew up in the Schenectady, New York area, Troy and Schenectady. Yep. And we lived in Albany. So there's what we call the, the capital district. Um, and that's where I mostly grew up. Okay. All right. That's cool. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate this. No, no. Thanks. Thanks for asking such good questions, because if people know the truth, that can make them free. It's an old chestnut, but it's true. If they're doing things that they think are true when they're not, they're fooling themselves or the person that told them the information didn't know enough to not fool them. And that's what I think your podcast is really about, is the facts, the truth, the evidence, and not the baloney, salami, and borscht. Well, that's why I brought up the, the sodium bicarbonate, because there's yes. a lot. If you Google baking soda in water. I'm with you. I'm with come you. up with a lot of different... I'm with you. And I was very clear that that's a way of trying to fool physiology, fool yourself, and that makes you a fool. So don't, don't, don't do that. Don't impair your digestion. Let your stomach be acidic the way it should be. You want... It's, and it gets more interesting and complicated because the body has something called carbonic anhydrase. This is a regulatory system for bicarbonate and carbon dioxide. It's exquisitely, exquisitely regulated while you're alive. Okay. So there are many, many, many illusions, delusions, whatever you want to call it. And I remember when tri-salts, this wasn't just sodium bicarbonate, this was potassium. It was potassium, calcium, magnesium uh, bicarbonate. And doctors said to me, well, that's better than sodium bicarbonate. And I said, well, is half the dose of cyanide better than a full dose of cyanide? And they didn't like to hear that. <laughs> I love that. And I, and, I, and I don't mean to be too dramatic. And I'm certainly right. not being disrespectful. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate Thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I appreciate it very much. You've helped us, you know, people like myself and the people that could continue to do this for, for eons. So. Well, that's, it's called pay it forward. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't get into the subject, but the people who were my mentors, I can't pay it back because actually most of them have passed on, but I can pay it forward. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.